You are listening to Hellcat's Hope, episode number 23. Welcome to Hellcat's Hope, the podcast to find humor, healing, and hope. Come along with Hellcat as she explores ways to help you overcome adversity and find your own inner Hellcat. Yes, Hellcat is her legal middle name, and hope is her game, bringing hope to others by showing what's possible. Here's your host, law school grad, motivational speaker, author, and certified life and smoking cessation coach, Lori Hellcat Bamford. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Welcome to episode number 23. I will warn you, there will be some curse words in this one. I am coming to you from Hayes, Kansas. That's right, Hayes, Kansas. As some of you know, my son Aaron is on a football scholarship playing football for Fort Hayes State University in Hayes, Kansas. It is a NCAA Division II school, and we are up here for one of his games this evening. Now, why am I recording a podcast episode, not from home, but from the Holiday Inn Express in Hayes, Kansas? Well, let me tell you, this is an episode I have been putting off. I don't know why. Sure, I've been busy, but apparently I can make time. I can schlep all my equipment to Hayes, Kansas. And the reason this has become so important now is because a dear friend of mine, Robert, is having his procedure on Monday. And so today's Saturday, and I thought, you know what? I need to get this done now because I leave for Vegas for work on Sunday. So Robert has been an incredibly supportive friend through this entire process. He's been a great friend and supporter of the podcast. And so this is for you, Robert. And I know I have other friends that have recently had the surgery or they may have the surgery coming up. And I just know that there have to be other people out there who need to hear this message of encouragement and support. And as I expressed in episode 16, One of my goals in discussing this is I want to normalize it. I don't want people to be ashamed or feel judgment because this is a decision that they made to have weight loss surgery. So I want us to talk about it. I want to be open about it. I want to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so this follow-up episode is about weight loss surgery. And yes, it is entitled, I've Never Shit My Pants. And the reason I'm calling it that is because I'm amazed at the number of people who learn that I've had gastric bypass surgery. And I don't hide it. Sometimes one of the first few questions that they ask me is one, oh, do you throw up all the time? No, I've never thrown up. And then they say, oh, I bet you shit your pants all the time. No, I've never shit my pants either. So I want to do this episode and others like it to normalize weight loss surgery, to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, and let you know that there are cases out there where there aren't complications and that the tool works as it is intended and that people do have success. You guys may recall in episode 16, I shared my weight loss surgery decision and my weight loss journey. So in 2019, After trying for about 10 years to lose weight, in consultation with my primary care physician, we decided that I would probably be a very good candidate for weight loss surgery. You see, I had tried every conceivable diet known to man. I had done various weight loss contests, and I had had quite a bit of success with them. However, at my age, and coupled with my genetics, thanks dad, (laughs) 
I had some issues that really were making weight loss extremely difficult. I had become insulin resistant. I had a family history of diabetes. And I had just reached a point where no matter what efforts I was making, I was not able to lose the weight. My DNA was set and nothing was happening. And I had watched my dad die from diabetes. As many of you probably know, diabetes affects every organ in your body. And that is just not the way that I wanted to live my life. And it's certainly not the way that I wanted to die. Now, I understand that life is beyond my control. I could die from a myriad of things. I could die from cancer. I could get hit by a bus. I do have this story in my mind, though, that I'm probably going to die because I've been kidnapped by Colombian drunk lords, and they were holding me hostage, and I just got too mouthy, and they had to get rid of me. So that's kind of how I see things going down. But my point in all this is that there are a myriad of reasons that I could die, that we could all die. But I didn't want diabetes to be one of those. I wanted to take back what control I could of my health. And so after consulting with my primary care physician for at least a year on the matter and researching, I decided to have a consultation with a weight loss surgeon. And so I contacted Dr. Hamilton Lee with Integris. I had had a few friends that had used him and had great success. And I had my initial consultation with him and discussed the various options. Those options at the time for me were to decide between gastric bypass, the RNY procedure, or the gastric sleeve. Both of the procedures have great results. For me, I decided to do the gastric bypass RNY because I had in excess of 100 pounds to lose. I felt like it had really good historical data results. Now, it is a little bit riskier than the sleeve, but I was willing to take that risk based upon my research, my medical history. I felt like that that was the best procedure for me. So I decided in July of 2020 to take those steps to have that procedure done. Now, like I said, I had spent years trying different diets and different ways to lose weight. But I had also, besides working on the physical aspect of it, I have done years of mental work. I've shared in other episodes of all of the different uh, avenues that I have worked on. I, I spent a few years working on intuitive eating. In one of my episodes, I interviewed my sister-in-law, Sarah Burt, where we talk about intuitive eating and how that can work and be a great tool to live a healthy life. And I really had a lot of success with that. I had also seen a therapist for binge eating disorder. I had worked with a weight loss coach on several aspects of the mental work surrounding compulsive overeating and my relationship with food. Now, as part of the process of going through weight loss surgery, you are required to undergo a psychological evaluation. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit nervous about that. But obviously, I passed it with flying colors. <laughs> I will say the interview was really interesting. The information that was important to the psychologist were a couple of things. Number one, his primary concern was, do you have a good support system? If you do the surgery, are you going to have a good support system at home? And fortunately, I have an extremely wonderful support system in my husband, Reg, and in my kids, and a myriad of friends and family that supported me. I knew that I was able to check off that box. I was also able to share with him 
the research that I had done and the other efforts that I had made at losing weight. I think it was of primary concern to them that you you had a good support system and that you aren't just making this decision on a whim, that this is something you have thought about, that you are aware of the risks, and that it is a step that you're willing to take and that you feel confident that you're going to be able to have success at. In addition to the psychological evaluation, I had to undergo a myriad of medical tests. I don't know how many vials of blood they drew, but they were testing for everything. I also underwent a thoracic swallow test uh, to see if I had GERD or acid reflux, and all of those came back normal. I also had to have an echocardiogram. Dr. Lee thought he might have seen something suspicious And so I had to make an appointment with a cardiologist. Of course, that came back with flying colors as well. So this was a six-month process from the time that I had the initial consultation with the surgeon and my actual surgery date, which was December 16th. 2020. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to take forever. I had done the research. I had done the work. I was ready to get this over with. But I'm really glad that the program at Integris took the steps that they did just to make sure that I was physically ready and emotionally ready. So I'm grateful for that. And of course, we are during the time of COVID. I'm not sure when you're listening to this episode anytime in the future, but it is 2020. And so I had to undergo a COVID test. And I had had COVID tests before. So it wasn't the actual testing that I was worried about. It was the result. Of course, I knew intellectually, I had no symptoms of COVID. I had not been exposed to anybody with COVID. But I didn't want having COVID to stop me from having this procedure. Because of the rising cases, they were about to shut down all procedures anyway. And Looking at it historically, about two weeks after my surgery, they did shut down procedures for a couple of months. So I was a little bit anxious about this COVID test result. So I had the COVID test result, and about 48 hours, I should have the results. And so I was out running an errand, and the phone rang. And I wasn't sure who the call was from. It looked like a business phone number, so I just I just wasn't sure. I thought, this must be this must be the hospital. They're calling to tell me I have COVID and my surgery's canceled. I just knew it. So I answered the phone. The person on the other end of the line was a woman with an Asian accent. And my surgeon's name is Dr. Hamilton Lee. Well, so in my anxiety and in the rush of the situation, I was thinking, yep, I told you. In my head, I was thinking, yes, this is it. See, it's an Asian person calling me. He's calling. She's calling to tell me that my COVID test is positive and I'm not going to get to have my surgery. It wasn't the hospital. It wasn't the surgeon. It was my nail lady. It was my nail tech. She was just calling to confirm my appointment. (sighs) But later that day, I did get the call that my COVID test was negative and my surgery would go as planned on December 16th. But that's just an example of the anxiety that you have leading up to the surgery. So anyone that's listening to this, anyone that's considering surgery, or even if not, if you're coming up on an event that, you know, is causing same anxiety, it's going to be totally normal to be suspicious of every phone call and to have your crazy thoughts. So that brings us up to the day of surgery. I was one of the first ones up, so it was super early in the morning. My husband, Reg, was with me. It did seem we had to wait in the waiting room for a very long time. Now, that could have just been my anxiety, but again, it's those crazy thoughts I'm telling you about. You start thinking, well, maybe I have the wrong day. Well, maybe something happened. 
well, maybe something came back on one of the tests and it's going to get canceled. Like these are all normal thoughts. Just go with it. So we finally get called back to the pre-surgery area. They do everything they need to do. And I'm changing into the lovely gown and getting ready for surgery. And of course, I start my period. Of course. Of course. Let's add another complication to the matter. (laughs) But it was fine. Apparently, I'm not the first one that that has happened to. And of course, everything went on as planned and it was fine. The surgery went fine with no complications. I can remember waking up in recovery and the nurse was talking to me and the first words out of my mouth were, did, did, did it work? Did we do it? Because again, I think I still had this thought of something's going to go wrong. I'm not going to be able to do it. (laughs) And of course it went fine and I was rolled to recovery. I did wake up in pain. Uh, But they immediately started giving me medicine to stop that. But yes, when I first woke up, before I asked, did it work? Is everything okay? I did say, this hurts like a beep. But the good drugs kicked in and I was okay. The doctor had told me that I would be there at least one night, probably two. And before I could go home, I would have to be able to drink 64 ounces of fluid easily And I would have to be up walking around. And that is one of the first things that the nurses did. I didn't just get to sit there and rest. Like they got me on my feet pretty quickly. And pretty soon I was walking, I was doing laps around the nurse's station. And I was easily able to drink my 64 ounces of fluid. And they, I got to have water and tea and popsicles and jello. And the surgeon came by and I was actually able to go home a day early, of course, because I'm an overachiever like that. So I did not have any complications. I was able to go home. Now, leading up to the surgery, I was on a liquid only, clear liquids only diet for three days. And and mind you, every surgery is different. Every weight loss center, every hospital does things differently. But my requirements for my surgery were a few things. I had to go through their testing, of course, the psychological evaluation. And for me, I had to lose 15 pounds before they would even submit it to insurance. And I will tell you, those were the hardest 15 pounds I have ever had to lose. I had a lot of mental hangups around it. And it was just at that point in my journey, it was very difficult for me to lose weight, really no matter what I ate. And so I just had to go straight, very, very, very low carbs, and very low quantities of food to reach that goal. So I had to lose the 15 pounds before surgery. And my nutritionist had me on a very low carb diet similar to what I would be on after surgery. And I really think this is a great idea because you want to, before surgery, start getting into those habits. Another habit that I worked on that something that you you need to do after surgery is, or, or they recommend that you not drink 30 minutes before you eat and 30 minutes after you eat. The reason being is they don't want your stomach to be filled with water because then you're not going to be able to put food in there that you need for your nutrients. Likewise, you don't want to put water on top of the food that is in there after you eat because it will wash the food out too quickly and the absorption that you need to have will not be there. So that was a recommendation that they would use. And that took some getting used to. Now it's not a big deal. Again, I'm almost 10 months out. And so I can have a little bit of fluid with my meal. um, But I really try not to drink 30 minutes before and 30 minutes after. Another habit that I began to work on and cultivate before surgery was to chew, chew, chew. 
I had a habit of eating big bites, of course, big volumes of food, large volumes of food, but also sometimes not really chewing my food very well. I knew with the surgery, I was going to have to learn to really chew, take small bites and take longer to eat. They recommend taking 20 to 30 minutes to eat. And once I was able to have soft foods after two weeks after surgery, because the first two weeks after surgery, you're still on liquids. That was the second hardest part for me. So that losing 15 pounds before surgery was the hardest part. And then that liquid diet toward the end of the two weeks was pretty brutal. Um, you know, you can basically have protein shakes, broth, jello, popsicles. That's about it. And when you've already done the three days of clear liquids, and then you have two weeks of just liquids, that, that was a rough patch. But like I tell my friend Robert, this is only temporary. That's really what got me through. It's just to say, this is only temporary. This is only temporary. It's not going to be like this forever. It's just to give your stomach a chance to heal. You know, if you read these stories about complications, and by the way, let me tell you, be very careful about getting into those Facebook groups. There are several out there and there are stories of support and I have been able to find in them answers to questions that I have, especially after surgery, you have all sorts of I think sometimes neurotic questions are just questions that you, you just are curious about. And so you can do a search in those groups and see where those questions have come up before. I just caution you not to spend too much time in there because there are a lot of stories of people who have had complications. And it may be because they didn't follow the instructions of their surgeon or their nutritionist. So you just never know. So just be careful when you're reading those that you don't think, oh my gosh, this is going to happen to me. Or if it's before surgery. Don't let that be the reason that you don't follow through with your decision, because there are going to be stories out there, but I just, I believe that they're rare. I think most of the stories are fewer to no complications and people having success. So those first two weeks after surgery, liquids only. And if I never see another protein shake for the rest of my life, that would be too soon. I will tell you, I got extremely burned out on protein shakes. They they were fine at first because, you know, it was something new and I knew I could have it and it was okay. But after a while, mm-mm, I can't even look at one now. The other weird aversion that I have post-surgery is steak. Now, you guys know I am a Texas girl. I was born and raised on steak. But let me tell you, I, I've tried it a few times but there's something about it. I don't know what it is, but the look, the smell, the taste of it, I I can't eat it. That is the one food that I feel like I just, but I don't crave it either. You know, I used to love steak and now I'm just kind of like, ugh, I, I just, I don't like it. Pretty much at this point, again, I'm 10, I'm 10 months post-op. I can eat whatever I want. However, it is smaller amounts. Now, as time passes, I could eat a little bit more, but like, Right when you start, when you're able to have soft foods, you're limited to about a quarter of a cup to half a cup. And that's really, that's plenty. The other positive thing about surgery for me is that it did decrease the hunger hormone. Before surgery, I felt like I was hungry all the time. After surgery, I'm rarely hungry. Now, as time has passed, I am now, I can get hungry. 
It doesn't happen every day. And, and that's the other thing. Some days I'm not hungry at all. Now, I still eat because I have a protein requirement for my body of 50 to 60 grams of protein per day. So I know that I have to eat something. But there are some days that I just won't be hungry at all. And it'll be everything just to get my protein in and my 64 ounces of water slash coffee slash tea. <laughs> so there are some days that I'm not hungry at all. And then there are days where I am really hungry. Please resist the urge to think, oh my gosh, this didn't work. This surgery didn't work. There were times when I thought that, but trust the process. And remember that too on the weight loss part of it. You know, when you first are out of surgery those first few weeks, I don't think I lost any weight. If so, it was very little. And I can remember having that thought of, oh my gosh, it didn't work. This surgery didn't work. I knew it. It wasn't that case at all. You know, for surgery, they pump you full of all sorts of fluids and your body is healing and adjusting. So try not to pay attention to the scale for the first few weeks. And also after that, you will start to see it decline. You will start to see the numbers go down. You are definitely going to lose weight, but also understand you're going to plateau. I hit a plateau after two weeks when I was able to start soft foods. Nothing happened. I think I plateaued for two weeks. Yes, I, there was mild panic, but at the same time, as my nutritionist and surgeon had explained, your body is adjusting. I have now started giving it real food. It's not real sure what to do. Within two weeks, boom, the weight started dropping again. And that has consistently been every month, every month for the last 10 months. So I have lost 100 pounds um, from my highest weight. Since surgery, I've lost 85 pounds because I had to lose 15 for surgery. So in nine or 10 months, I've lost 85 pounds. That really is not that drastic, especially, you know, when I was dieting, I can remember I had goals of losing 10 pounds a month. That's about what I've been losing. Now, the difference is when I was on diets or trying to lose it before surgery, I would lose, you know, two, three, four pounds and then gain that back by eating literally eating like one tater tot. Like that's just how my body, when it was insulin resistant, that's how it responded. I would basically take a step forward, take two or three steps back. And it was a vicious cycle. After surgery, what I've noticed is I will lose two, three, four pounds, and then it will just stay the same. And I've not changed anything. And mind you, this 85, 100 pound weight loss has been with little to zero exercise. Now, they recommend you exercise. They recommend you start exercising before surgery. Again, it's another habit. They want you to start. And I did a little bit of that, but I've had some complications with my L5S1. I've got some drop foot stuff going on. It's really weird. And I can't do my go-to exercise, which is running. Um, also with walking. So I have a little bit of movement incorporated, but predominantly this weight loss has happened without exercise. It has been this tool. It has been the mental work that's gone along with it. Now, I still have about 20 pounds to lose. I know that exercise is going to have to be a part of that. They say when you reach a year post-surgery is when your body will try to reset itself. Your body will then try to get back to that weight. I have not experienced that yet, but I am prepared for it. That's why I still watch carbs. I still watch the protein. And let's talk about vitamins for a second. Your surgeon, your nutritionist will tell you what vitamins to take. One thing I'm, I'm very proud of is I have been religious 
about my vitamins because I know with the procedure that I have, there is a higher risk or there is higher malabsorption, meaning as compared to the sleeve, there is less absorption of vitamins and minerals in my body because of the procedure that I have. So I have to supplement that for the rest of my life through a multivitamin. I take a probiotic. I take a calcium supplement, fish oil, and then of course my thyroid medicine. That is something that I will have to take for the rest of my life as well. It's a genetic issue with my thyroid. And so I just know that that's something all the women in my family, we're all on thyroid medicine. And so I just know that that's something that I will have to take for the rest of my life. So I, and vitamin D, I also take a vitamin D supplement. So these are things that I'm just religious about because I know this procedure is something that has affected my ability to have the right nutrients that my body needs. So post-surgery, pay attention to your protein, pay attention to your water, pay attention to your vitamins. Exercise, try it. But I can tell you, it's, it's, I've had the weight loss without it. Now, I know these last 20 pounds, I'm going to have to get back to running, but i got to figure out what's going on with my L5S1 first. Also, be very patient with your energy level. It was at least six weeks post-op before I felt even remotely normal in terms of my energy. Now, I was able to go back to, quote, work in about a week. But I was also a remote worker. Also, as a lawyer, I work on a computer all day. I don't have to go to court. I don't have to go into an office, or I didn't have to. So I could work for a few hours at a time, and then I would have to go take a nap. I was exhausted. And that's from the surgery, and it's also because you are taking in significantly fewer calories than you ever have before. So that was just something that you just I had to get used to. But at about the six-week mark, I can remember waking up and saying, oh, I feel normal again. And so just be patient with yourself because six weeks, that is quite a bit of time. Now, let me tell you, a day I will never forget is when the two weeks of liquids phase was over and I was able to have soft foods. I can remember to this day, I had me a fried egg with some avocado. And that was the most delicious fried egg with avocado I have ever had in my entire life. So you will be able to have food again, I promise. This is only temporary. This phase is only temporary. And like I said, like now at the 10-month mark, I have tried pretty much any kind of food that I want. It is just in much smaller quantities. And you will learn. Your body will tell you when you've had enough. Your body will tell you when you're hungry. Your body will tell you when it's full. That's why it's important to eat slow. Now, like I told you, I've never shit myself and I've never thrown up. However, there have been maybe four, three or four times where I ate too fast or I ate too much of something or something that had too much sugar. With the gastric bypass, you do have to watch the sugar. Now, again, at the 10-month mark, I've noticed that I can have a little bit more. But I get that signal pretty quickly that says, mm, no, that's it. Yes, you can have a little bit of that, but that's it. The body is very clear in its messaging of when enough is enough. So there have been those three or four times where I ate too much or I had too much sugar or I ate too fast. And I really did think I was going to throw up, but I just went to lay down for about an hour or I just sit there and breathe and it was fine. But I have never thrown up, but I've never shit myself. 
Now, remember, my surgery was on December 16th. So I went through Christmas of not being able to have real food. Those of you that know me know that I love to cook for my family, for my friends, for my kids' friends. Like, it is one of my favorite things. I get great joy in cooking and being able to watch them enjoy it. I will tell you, after surgery, it was a non-issue until Christmas Eve, the potato salad incident. I had a complete freaking meltdown over potato salad. Now, mind you, I make a delicious potato salad. And I had made it for Christmas. And it was Christmas Eve. We were going to bed. I was tired. And Reg can verify this story. We're going to bed. I am bawling. I am mourning. Because number one, that's when I used to eat. When I would overeat for comfort or boredom or just to feel better or just to whatever the reasons were that I had, that was when I would eat. So I think I was kind of feeling that. I was feeling something and I wanted to eat and I love my potato salad and I couldn't have it. And I melted down. (laughs) So you will have those moments when you realize, especially during that two-week phase, there are going to be times that you just can't eat like you used to and there will be a mourning period. But it is so worth it. I have zero regrets about it. I mourned it. I cried. I bawled my eyes out. My poor husband didn't know what to do. At one point, he said, that's it. We're all going on a liquid diet. That's it. This is ridiculous. Nobody's eating anything ever again around here. Now, I did not make, he did not make anyone go on the liquid diet. And I got through it. It was fine. And it's so worth it. Because let me tell you what I've learned and what has happened. I became acutely aware of the number of times I was thinking and obsessing over eating and food throughout the day. It was amazing how many times it was popping into my head. When I would drive by a drive-thru, I still had that habit of, oh, there's a drive-thru, let's go get something to eat. Even though in the moment, post-surgery, I would go, oh God, that would make me so sick. And let me tell you, I have tried and, and occasionally I can, again, eat a couple of bites of fast food, except McDonald's. I have tried to eat McDonald's a couple of times, but even a couple of bites, mm-mm. I have decided they, they put cyanide in their food. That's what I told my husband a couple of weeks ago. There is cyanide in their food. That is the only explanation for why I cannot eat just one little bite. There has to be cyanide in it. But there's just something. There's just something about that food. Now, I will tell you, McDonald's used to be a go-to for me. So it may be that my body is just like, nope, or my mind is like, nope, we're not going back there, which is fine with me. So post-surgery, it was really interesting to learn how often I was thinking and obsessing and acting on food. And to not do that anymore was wonderful. That, you know, you spend those couple of weeks, you know, don't be alarmed that you're still having those thoughts because those were just habits that are now changing. Now it is not a big deal. Now, one thing, the, mo- the thing that I am most grateful about this tool is it has freed up so much bandwidth in my mind and my life to think about and do other things. I'm no longer living to eat. I'm eating to live. I'm no longer obsessing about food and when am I going to get to eat again? I'm obsessing about life and what goal am I going to be able to crush again? Those are the things that I'm thinking about. I'm getting to think about and be present with my family instead of thinking about when can I go get a cheeseburger. 
those things have made anything that was a struggle, anything that was hard, the meltdown over the potato salad, that having to go lie down for an hour because I ate too fast, not being able to drink or eat like I used to, it has made it so worth it. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. You know, it's funny when people say, you know, do you regret your decision? And of course I say no. I used to think, man, I the only regret I have is I wish I would have done it sooner. That is not true. I am glad that I spent the last 11 years getting ready for this moment. I am glad that I spent the last 11 years trying different things, learning about food addiction, learning about intuitive eating, learning about the mind and the power that food can have on our thoughts and our mind and that how we can change that. And just learning about my body's history, my genetics and things that I can control. A couple of other tips and tricks that may help you post-surgery. Look on Amazon and get the little tiny plates, little cocktail plates, little cocktail forks. That's going to help you really work on the small size of servings and food that you will be eating. It also will help you eat slower. Also, ask your surgeon about getting a kid's meal card. My surgeon gave me a card that when I go to a restaurant, if I, I mean, I need to order off a kid's meal. I cannot eat a full adult meal anymore. And so economically, sometimes if they have the options, it makes sense to order a kid's meal. And so they give you a card that says, please allow this customer to order from the kid's meal. They are a bariatric patient of mine and it has his signature and information on it. Now, I could not wait to use this card. Like I was so excited to be able to use this card. And so I think one of the first restaurants I went to was Neighborhood Jam. And what made it even cooler is their kids' meals come on these cool little kids' trays like, you know, you used to have in school at the school cafeteria when they would serve your food. And I was so excited. I was going to get one of these little kid trays. And so we're about to order. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to give me pushback. And they're not going to let me order off the kids' menu because it said you got to be 12 years or old, 12 years or younger to order off the kids' meal. And so the waiter comes over, and, and so I was like, yes, I'd like the kids' breakfast, blah, blah, and he goes, oh, those are just for the kids' mouth. I said, well, I had surgery. I have this, and he didn't even have to see my card. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. So I didn't even get to show my card. And so actually, as I think about it, I don't think I've had to ever show my card. I think if I'm ordering off the kids' menu, they either did not contest it or push back, or I would just say, I'm a bariatric patient, and they're like, oh, yeah, no biggie. So ask your surgeon about that. Now, that does leave me to another issue I want to talk about, and that is wasting food. Now, as you guys know, I grew up one of 11 children. We went through several periods of being poor and food scarcity, and so I have food insecurity issues that I have worked on extensively over my life. But to this day, it is very difficult for me to waste food. I, I really have a hard time with it. So I utilize leftovers a lot. If you follow me on social media, I do a lot of food prep. And if we go out to eat, I have leftovers. I will repurpose that meal for lunch the next day. I, I, I like to use leftovers. I cannot stand wasting food. One thing that I have had to get used to is throwing food in the trash. You just got to throw it away. So there are sometimes it will sit in the refrigerator because I think I'm going to repurpose that. There's leftovers there somewhere for something. 
it ends up in the trash. Same thing with the times that I that I have been able, you know, other restaurants, they have good alternatives for fast food or regular restaurants, they have great alternatives. I still won't be able to eat it all. I literally, and this used to be frustrating at first, so be aware of this. I literally could take two bites of something and the signal's there that I'm full. That's it. And at first, it was a little frustrating because you're like, oh, it's so good. That's the same issue I had before surgery. It's so good, but I wouldn't stop eating it because it was so good. With this tool, you stop. You physically cannot eat anymore. Or you may shit your pants. Or you may throw up. To me, that signal is enough for me to stop. But it was a little frustrating at first. Now it doesn't bother me at all. There may be a little bit of, oh, well, now it's time to stop. Oh, well. I box it up. I think I'm probably going to repurpose it. I may or may not. I may be able to have it for leftovers. But it may end up in the trash. It kind of reminds me when I used to work with Corinne Crabtree, my weight loss coach. She would say, it's better in the trash than on your ass. So I try to remember that too. Now, I will tell you, speaking of my ass, because I've lost 100 pounds, I do have some excess skin. I get asked that a lot too. Yes, especially around my belly area, all the way around the belly and the buttocks. So I have gone to a consultation with Dr. Sawan in Edmond, and he took pictures and showed me and said I was ready to have it if I wanted to. And he showed me the pictures of what he can do, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Now, I have Cigna insurance. Insurance is not going to cover it because Cigna insurance requires me to basically have almost died from the excess skin. And it's just, I'm not going to die from it. I, I don't have rashes. I don't have sepsis. No, it wasn't sepsis. It was cellulitis. <laughs> but I would have had to have had cellulitis treated with antibiotics, like all these hoops to jump through for insurance to even cover it. So, Insur my insurance is not going to cover my 360 skin removal surgery. So I have been quoted $22,000 to have that procedure done, but I am going to have it done. It is a goal of mine to get done next year. And what's fascinating, the reason I'm bringing it up, because I was talking about putting it in the trash instead of on your ass, is I have no ass now. It's gone. I have my dad's inherited disease of no ass at all. No ass at all. It is gone. So anyway, Dr. Sawan showed me he can take the fat that is left in my belly and he's going to put it on my buttocks. And I'm quite excited about this. So I am on a quest to save $22,000. Uh, my husband and I have labeled it my booty bounty or bounty. What do we call it? Is that it? Booty booty. Booty booty. booty. That's it. We're calling it my booty booty. So uh, anyway, that's next on the agenda. My last bit of advice to you is try to enjoy the journey. Trust the process. When you panic, just acknowledge it's a panic. When you have these thoughts, just acknowledge that they're thoughts. Don't judge them. Don't judge them. That is useless emotion. Don't shame your thoughts. Useless emotion. Just say, oh, yeah, Lori said this would happen. Hellcat said this would happen. When the scale's not moving like you think it should, when your body's not changing like you think it should, trust the process. Trust the process. Be patient and enjoy it. I can't tell you how much fun it is shopping for clothes now. The first thing I noticed when I started losing weight was in my car. I noticed I was driving and I thought, oh, I didn't put my seatbelt on. Now, I am a rule follower. I always put my seatbelt on. And I'm driving. And I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I didn't put my seatbelt on. And I looked down. 
and my seatbelt was on. I just didn't feel it. It didn't feel binding. It didn't feel like it was choking me. It didn't feel uncomfortable. I didn't even feel it. So that was really fun. And of course, being able to sit in an airplane seat, being able to sit in uh, amusement park rides. All right, that's it. That's all I have for now. Thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions, you can email me, reach out to me on social media. Many of you have my cell number. Um, And good luck, Robert. Congratulations, Nancy. Good luck, Tammy. All of my friends that have had the procedure or are looking at the procedure, best of luck. You're going to do great. And if you need anything at all, you give me a call. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for listening to Hellcats Hope. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe. To book me as a speaker for your next event, work one-on-one as a coach, or find more information on my upcoming book, please go to whatthehellcat.com. Thanks for listening.